fish swam out of the ocean and grew legs and they started walking and the apes climbed down from the trees and grew tall and they started talking welcome everyone thanks for tuning in this is the fun with crypto podcast i'm phil and this is episode six in this episode we're going to uh, we're going to discuss icos uh, we're also going to discuss some BTC faucets. For people who don't know what BTC faucets are, I'll give a little explanation and also provide a link to some, I guess, last remaining ones that actually do work. Um, and I, as well, we also have a listener question about moving BTC from an exchange back to a wallet. So I'll go over a general scenario about moving Bitcoin back from an exchange to a wallet and some things to pay attention to. We'll also discuss a really cool, secure way of being able to gift somebody Bitcoin or not necessarily gift, but also just give somebody else Bitcoin. Um, this is a uh, shout out to the Open Dime project, which is really, really cool stuff. So we're going to just do uh, you know a quick little rundown about that. We're also going to take a look at Initiative Q and why we should be cautious. And also going to do a little rant on stable coins because they're anything but stable. And then we'll wrap it up with uh, some final thoughts. All right, so uh, let's get started with ICOs. So before we start, I just have to explain that this is not investment advice and that you shouldn't misconstrue any of my comments to mean that you should go out and purchase or invest in or take part in any ICOs. Um, they're, they're definitely very, very risky. So, well, let's get started. ICO, Initial Coin Offering. So, sounds very similar to IPO, Initial Public Offering. The only difference is, is that, well, actually there's quite a few differences, but one of the main differences is that in an ICO setting, so far every single one I've ever seen doesn't have any working product. Whereas in an Initial Public Offering, when it comes to stocks, quite often they will have a working product already, they will already have revenue, uh, generation so it's it's a little bit different so the the term is somewhat misleading but yes it is in fact an initial coin offering it's just not as initial as most people think because there are different layers of investors in initial coin offerings and to be perfectly honest if you're not all the way at the top all the way at the beginning then you are probably anywhere from third to fifth in line and what that means is is that other people have already gotten thousands of these tokens if not millions at a much reduced price so it's something to be very very careful of when looking at icos i don't care what it is what the project is you just always got to remember that it doesn't have any working product and it usually just has a community uh, which is a good thing right you know you want them to have a community but they don't have a working platform, and that's why it's an ICO, and especially what we saw in 2017, um, most of the ICOs, actually all of them, were on Ethereum. So now we have some other platforms uh, like NEO, like EOS, and you're starting to see uh, some initial coin offerings and even airdrops, which is essentially where they give you, where the platform gives you coins for holding their coin the the platform's coin 
So that that's a uh, that that's a form of airdrop. Or uh, there's also in in Bitcoin there's been quite a few different airdrops where because you held Bitcoin you got this other coin in kind. So. Anyways, conversation isn't really about airdrops, it's about initial coin offering. So what I'm saying is, is that if you are thinking of partaking in initial coin offering, and why would you? Um, well, you would take a look at the price of Bitcoin and you would say to yourself, I want to get a piece of the next Bitcoin. So you start doing research and you get some ad that pops up, usually in uh, Facebook, but they've done a pretty good job of cleaning them up, but you still get them. And, you know, they're talking about the next greatest project and, you know, it's going to revolutionize cryptocurrencies, revolutionize the world, faster transactions. So always, always what you see is that there's faster transactions and it's it's just going to be way bigger and way better. But the reality is, is that it, it has no it has no actual platform yet. And it's just a token on Ethereum, which means it's not its own coin. It doesn't have a main net so you can go and look up what mainnet means, but essentially it just means it doesn't have its own platform. So when you're purchasing in an ICO, you're essentially purchasing a, it's almost like an IOU. Eventually, if this works out, you may be able to, you know, this, and this goes mainnet, it may become a coin. But in the, anyways, in the meantime, you wait, you wait for it to become a token. Essentially, you wait for them to finish their, you know, the, the ICO. Anyways, I, I took part in one ICO because at the beginning when I first when I first started investing in Bitcoin, um, I had already known about Bitcoin much longer than that. But when I actually started investing in it, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to partake in an ICO. So I partook in Uni, in uh, Unicoin Gold and it had some some backers like uh, Ashton Kutcher so I figured, all right, you know, this is this is going to be pretty interesting. And um, Mark Cuban as well. So I figured, you know, he knows what he's doing. Anyways, I put in something like 750 bucks. And essentially what I had to do was buy some Ethereum and then sign in to the, you know, the Unicoin ICO site, follow their, you know, rules for registration and send them Ethereum. And then eventually when the ICO, when the actual ICO took place... Uh, I would eventually be able to, that they would send me the tokens to the address that I specified during my registration, my Ethereum address that I specified. Anyways, so that's what I did. And I ended up, what was it? Lost something like, it was like close to 65 to 75% when the coin went finally public and you could trade it. So I could have purchased that coin or that token on the open market for significantly less had I've just waited. So not saying that every single ICO is like that, but the moral of my story is just wait till it becomes a token. If you're really interested in the project and you think it's really that great, wait till it actually gets to an exchange and then you can go purchase it there if you really feel that this is what you want to get involved with. But again, strongly suggest you wait and do your research because the other part that I've seen about ICOs is that they come out on the market and they drop, and when you think they can't drop again, they drop even more. So it's important to really, really understand what you're purchasing, and that if you're going to make a purchase like this, that it be a very, very small percentage of funds that you don't need or don't care about. If you're going to purchase something like this, you have to be ready for it to just go to zero. 
So it's a very, very important point about ICOs. But really, for somebody getting into cryptocurrency, I, I strongly suggest you just stick with Bitcoin. And if you're really feeling adventurous, you can go and purchase some Ethereum and some Litecoin. But that's that's really about it, at, at least until you feel confident enough to, to move into the uncharted waters, because a lot of people equate um, these these altcoins to penny stocks, but they're even worse than penny stocks because you know, again, it, it, some of these are just a white paper. They are just a document. In some other cases, some of these are a document and a loose framework of how something could work. So you, you really, really just got to be very, very careful. Okay. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to summarize the, uh, the discussion about ICOs that, uh, that we just had, because I feel like, I, I used the terms token and coins interchangeably too often and possibly caused some confusion. So I'm going to do my best to summarize it right now. Okay. So a company or person or a group of individuals um, decides to put together a white paper that is going to describe what their cryptocurrency is going to do. Okay. And in what field it's going to be used and, um, you know, what, uh, I guess, what protocol rules they're going to enable, but they're just going to give a loose general explanation. Um, I've seen some white papers that are two pages long. I've seen some that are 25. So it all depends on how much information they really want to explain about everything. But essentially, they start off with that. And in some cases, they don't even have that. They just put together a website and ask people, you know, to, to register if they're interested in participating in this ICO. So essentially what happens at this point is, is that there is no coin, well, there is no token. Okay. So imagine at the ICO stage, there's no, there's no, even though it's called an initial coin offering, it's really an initial token offering. So you go, you register up to the site and what they're going to do is let you know when the initial coin offering takes place, more specifically when you are going to be allowed to participate because there are different rounds of participation. Um, so what happens is, is that you'll receive an email about that and then what you would do is, is that you would transfer some Ethereum to the contract address that they're specifying and when the ICO sale is complete, and they're ready for token distribution, you will then receive um, a notification letting you know that the tokens have been transferred to the address, the Ethereum address that you had provided. Now, think of um, think of Ethereum as the, the base blockchain for all of these tokens, okay? So you're pretty much, in every one of these situations, you, you are always giving them an Ethereum address, and it doesn't make a difference what token it is, it's always an ETH address, an Ethereum address. But anyways, um, so moving on, they then provide you the token. And then at that point, the token may or may not be listed on exchanges for trade. Okay. And you then go through the process of them. Usually what we've encountered so far is that they'll try to get onto different exchanges to create more and more liquidity. And as they're doing that, they're usually developing on their roadmap, supposedly, and getting closer and closer to mainnet. Now, what is mainnet? Mainnet is when they stop being a token and the token gets converted 
to a coin and now has its own blockchain with its own nodes. That's the, that's the final step in that process. Now, the part of this, there is a caveat, is that doesn't always happen. Some tokens are designed to just be tokens and they will never have a blockchain. They're just a utility token and they run on Ethereum. I hope that that summary helped out a little bit better than my, my previous confusing rant. Okay, well, moving on from, from ICOs. So we're going uh, to talk about Bitcoin faucets. What is a Bitcoin faucet? So once a, I, I mean, I'd have to say even, you know, four or five years ago, you could really, you could get a lot of Bitcoin on these faucets. But essentially what they are, are these websites, you sign up to them and let's say every hour you click the roll button and it, you know, spins a bunch of numbers and you get something like 30 Satoshis. A Satoshi is the most primal unit of Bitcoin. So think of a Satoshi as an equivalent. Let's say, you know, let's say if one Bitcoin is $1, which obviously it's worth a lot more, but let's say that a Satoshi is a penny, but it's an even smaller, it's an, it's an even smaller number than that. But anyway, so they give you 30 Satoshi and you get this every hour and it accumulates. Um, so there's different types of faucets. There's other types of faucets where you go, you sign up, you do the, uh, you know, they give you the, the free spin every, you know, every hour or so. But at the same time, you could also take surveys and they'll pay you in Satoshis for taking these surveys. Now, why would you want to do something like this? Well, it's a completely free way of getting Bitcoin. And if you're, you know, if you're not really interested in accumulating so much of it, but you do want to have some Bitcoin, then this is a completely easy, free way of accumulating yourself a very small amount of Bitcoin over a very long period of time. So I'm going to post some, I'm going to post a, a link in the show notes. Um, I'd have to say right now, the, the best, the, the best of these faucets that exist is freebitco.in. And I'll put the, uh, I'll put the link to that in the, uh, in, in the show notes. That's probably the best faucet that there is. I, if somebody knows of a better one, please, you know, shoot me the link. I'll gladly check it out. But as of right now, that is the. I'd say the last true vestige of free BTC. That's uh, that's my little shtick on the uh, on the faucets. So moving along to our uh, our listener question, I was asked about after presenting the the last discussion about moving BTC from a wallet to an exchange. Uh, this listener asked about the you know the general overall process about sending BTC back from an exchange to a wallet. So. Remember in, um, in cryptocurrency, if you don't have your private keys, then you don't own your coins. So on an exchange, you most likely have no private keys. So if you're going to keep any funds on an exchange, I strongly suggest you keep very little or only what you're trading with. So what you're gonna wanna do is double check your wallet address now you may have a wallet that's installed on your computer. You may have a wallet that's installed on your phone. I, I definitely, uh, I don't necessarily uh, agree with having a permanent wallet on your phone. It's totally fine if you want to just have a place to just store very small amount. But definitely, if you're going to be holding BTC and you're going to be accumulating it, you definitely need to eventually you get yourself a hardware wallet at the very least. So anyways, so you're, you know, you're going to go double check your, your wallet address 
and from the exchange, uh, like I had explained in the uh, in the previous in the previous podcast, essentially what's going to happen is you're going to go to a funds type of page, and what you're going to do is is that you're going to go to BTC, you're going to go to withdraw. And when you click on withdraw, it'll most likely bring up a withdraw page or it'll bring up a whole new page. You know, either it'll bring up a small window or a whole new page. And there what you can do is put in the destination address and the amount of BTC you want to send. Now, a couple of things I've noticed about sending money from exchanges. Different exchanges will charge different fees. Um, sometimes uh, I've had to pay something like 800 Satoshi. Other times I've had to pay 1,200. So that's something to uh, to be aware of. And also, when when you're dealing with crypto, you want to pay attention to the Satoshi value because most of us are used to valuing things in USD. But when it comes to cryptocurrency, it's actually valued in Satoshis. So you want to get familiar with that conversion. You'll also notice when you're transferring money from an exchange, or sorry, when you're transferring crypto from an exchange, you'll notice uh, sometimes that it's not as quick as transferring wallet to wallet. Um, I, I don't really know why that is, but I think it has something to do with the fact that they send the transactions in batches. So, you know, regardless of the actual block times for the, you know, for the different coins, um, there's, I, I think the exchanges actually wait and batch their transactions before they send them out so there's that delay to pay attention to as well so moving along um, onto the next topic let's say you decide you want to gift somebody some cryptocurrency or even you're just you know giving it away um, there's this really cool company called OpenDime and their self-proclaimed world's first Bitcoin credit stick wallet and it's a really it's a really cool little wallet and it comes with a very easy verification process that only the receiver of the credit stick uh, can actually can actually check so it's it's you have to break a seal and that's when the key becomes available to you so you know for a fact that the person that gave it to you um, doesn't have the key to it and can't take your funds so even regardless of even gifting, let's say you decide you want to, for some reason, pay somebody with this, you can and the receiver can know securely that there's no way that their funds can be removed from them. So definitely check it out. I'm going to post the link to it in the show notes. So I want to make a, uh, a mention about something that came up recently. It's called uh, Initiative Q. It's been going around a lot of the Facebook groups, the Facebook crypto groups and um, Twitter as well. So, I, I mean, it's supposedly started by a person who used to work at PayPal and whatnot. So you could see they're, you know, they're, they're kind of doing some name dropping and trying to do some, you know, credential building um, by showing legitimacy. In the end, they, they ask for an email, a first and a last name, which isn't very much. But just be warned, uh, if you're going to sign up to this, then you should definitely create a brand new email that is not linked to anything important, just in case. Uh, but I definitely caution against it. Anybody that is giving you something for free definitely has a uh, you know an ulterior motive. And you know supposedly this, you know, this currency is going to be pegged 
you know, or sorry, not pegged, but is going to, you know, rise to a dollar once it comes out, which who knows where that valuation is going to come from. Or wait, I think it was said that uh, the valuation would come from from the network, you know, because they're giving all of this away. I think it's actually going to be pretty funny um, when all two million of the accounts that have registered try to <laughs> sell this initiative queue. That's that's going to be pretty entertaining. Uh, another thing that's uh, that's going on and that's really blowing up is the uh, the BCH hard fork. Now I don't really care much for uh, for Bcash um, or Bitcoin Cash, whatever you want to refer to it to. I think it should just be called Bcash and just be the altcoin it was meant to be. But anyways. Um, so there's a contentious hard fork that is definitely coming. Um, there's, you know, obviously lots of media, you know, lots of lots of news coming out with, you know, Rogers speaking out against uh, Craig Wright. And so pretty much you have Jihan and Roger on one side and you've got Craig on the other. And it's it's just it's pretty funny. You know, Craig is trying to pull off his Satoshi Vision coin, which anyways, I you can go and, you know, Google Craig and go look him up on YouTube and see all of the material he puts out and you can go check out Roger Ver. I mean, I, I think the, both of these guys are, you know, very outspoken and, uh, you know, they're very charismatic, but um, I, I am definitely not a fan of, uh, of Bitcoin Cash and it's just pretty funny to see uh, this happen and, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, not, not the fruits of the labor, but uh, the chickens have come home to roost. Yeah. So anyways, good luck to them. Uh, if anybody has any, you know, any questions or any comments, um, I, I put in the show notes, my, my contact details, but, uh, you could find me on Twitter at coin Icarus. And you can also, if you want to email me, it's fun with crypto at protonmail.com. And that's in the show notes. I'd really appreciate anybody's feedback. I uh, I definitely take it into consideration and you know try to try to improve the material or change or change the way that I deliver it. So yeah, it's it's really really helpful. So I'd appreciate it. So moving on, I'm just gonna also give a quick mention about um, there, there's a, been a lot of news around stable coins recently and if people don't know what stable coins are they're essentially these coins that are created that are supposed to be pegged to a you know a currently used denomination or a trusted denomination that that word trusted is probably very loose and has quotations around it and stars um but i i personally don't like to refer to them as uh, stable coins i think that stable coin is a misnomer and it's designed specifically to conjure up feelings of you know, trust and um, obviously stability, you know, consistency, uh, because one of the main arguments of, against Bitcoin specifically is, is the volatility. You know, the you, you can't trust something that that's volatile, you know, but yet people put money into the stock market, which has volatility. People invest in commodities that has volatility. And so I just find it's a lot of just complete BS when they try to feed you this line about the volatility. Bitcoin is a is a currency that has been around for a decade. Yes, it's going to be volatile as it finds its footing. Just like anything else. This, you know, it it grew out of an idea. And look at the value and the community and the growth behind it. I mean if there is no volatility, 
I'd be freaking worried. I, I'd, uh, you know what? I'd be like, what's wrong with this thing? Who is controlling this thing? Because I think that volatility is a natural part of the game. So, anyways, uh, going back to this, um, stable coins, if you are planning on purchasing these, I mean, look, you know, if it makes you feel safer, that, that's great, but just understand that the only thing that is stable about stable coins is the name. That's it. There's really nothing else behind it. And yes, of course, the entities that issue them say that they're pegged to a dollar, and pretty much every single time one of these coins is created, that means a dollar is added into the, you know, into the vault. Um, I know that Gemini Exchange has a stable coin, which is under rigorous, um, uh, rigorous monitoring. Okay, so I, I, I would say that theirs is possibly one of the quote-unquote safest. But the reality is, you're in this for the future. You're in this because Bitcoin is going to become the standard. So why are you going to go and buy stable coins? Why not just accumulate Bitcoin, the real deal? You know, it's like they just try to flash all these imposters around you to try to, you know, to try to take away your USD or take away your BTC and give you back something of inferior quality that only, um, that, that only has the illusion of the properties of Bitcoin, but doesn't. So just be careful. Anyways, that's my rant on stable coins. So like I said, if you want to contact me or follow me, I'm at Coin Icarus. And any feedback, if you'd like to send it to funwithcrypto at protonmail.com. All right, everybody. Catch you all next time. Bye.